Okay, so this is Methodical Millions, Episode 3. Thanks for all of you tuning in today. We're going to try and give you some examples of some contrast to trading and can people invest in maybe a different way. Yeah, about that, I was thinking about the thing you mentioned yesterday, how you improve the betterment of the world. And I was wondering what you really meant by that and what you had in mind. So I've been following tech startups the tech scene for a while, tech investing for about a year or two. And I find that really, really interesting because it's where ideas start from something small and grow into big companies. It's where things that actually change the world. People always talk about, oh, I want to go make a difference. I want to go do that. So unless you're, which I really admire, by the way, for example, people in the medicine field today, they're top notch. They're the ones saving the world, given what's going on. So I've got this concept. It's called the curve of innovation. Okay. So imagine you take um, a plate, like a dinner plate, flip it over, put it on a table. At any point in that curve, someone in this world will be at the head of their field. So you could have somebody curing cancer. You could have someone making the next Flappy Bird. You can have someone building VR, who knows. But the point is all along that curve, somebody is the best at what they do. So I kind of treat life that way is there's a balance of work on your craft, do what drives you, work on your passions, but you got to have some humility and say, you know what, there's people who are better at other things and maybe I'm better at this. It's kind of a good balance I like to approach life with so that I keep focused. I don't really think about what others think and I focus on really what interests me. So that's kind of how I want to frame things. That's kind of where this all came from, how I started following, taking an interest in it. So what I really liked is that starting a company, as you might guess, is probably I've heard because I haven't really started a a big company or successful company yet, but you can almost do it from your bedroom. So the famous story of Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, starting from a garage, Mark Zuckerberg, starting from Facebook in a dorm room. You're not going to make the next Facebook, but you could start the next big thing, right? So it happens to be software a lot of the times. And I I think we're getting to a tipping point where one can argue the value of the fifth Uber Eats, for example. So I caution someone to be careful about what they're trying to bring to the world. But you can start it from your home. Like we started this podcast from our home. So there's so many tools out there to uh, spend your time. And if you're not really into numbers, you're not really into maybe even trading. I like this approach. I like spending some time, some free hours in your day to think about what do you like? And it's not about trying to do some grandiose vision. It's about spending time on a hobby, on a passion. Uh, We talked about YouTube. We talked about just Googling something. So you want to learn how to cook. You want to learn how to DIY. Like you said, any kind of project is out there. There's the internet's kind of connecting us all, but also you can probably find your niche hobby on there. So let's say you want to start coding. You want to start, I don't know, selling things online. It's usually called family friends. It's self-funding. Your company's not worth much. It's kind of just early stages. And there's different rounds of investing that the pros go through. So let's say you're actually making some money a month, that can be considered quite successful. Most angels, and where that term comes from is a lot of businesses, as we discussed, 
tend to run out of money. People tend to give up. They tend to die. So an angel in the traditional sense is a savior, right? So money comes when someone believes in you and fuels the company to help get you to the next level. And I can't speak necessarily from experience, but from what I've seen, that's kind of how you take a company that's doing okay with the vision of becoming something more, scaling up, growing between cities, getting the product in a lot of people's hands, more app downloads. But the idea is you're scaling from where you are, you're already kind of making money and taking that vision further. So money in that sense is basically fuel. And if you're going to do those kinds of things, I've heard it's quite risky too. So you don't want to necessarily, again, take all your money and go invest in your friend, go open a Subway restaurant franchise. There's so many, not that there's anything wrong with brick and mortar, but Traditionally, those aren't investable. Those aren't scalable to, you're not building a brand new franchise. You're just taking one on. So there is that distinction between something that is another copy of a business that's already done well, or is it something truly unique? So I kind of spend my time around thinking about that kind of stuff. What happens if you do kind of well, you start making, I don't know, tens of millions, you usually knock on a VC's door and raise something called like a series A. And you're probably worth in the tens of millions and they hope you kind of double or triple. So they're betting with bigger check sizes. So an angel would maybe write a 25K check. Again, you don't want to be using all your money. This is someone who's quite well established in their career. And how they do it is they'll invest in maybe 15, 20 companies a year. And that way you're hedging your bets against one going to zero. But I find that kind of stuff fascinating. So Although I'm not necessarily active at writing checks, I follow it closely. It's kind of the flip side to starting a company. It's kind of in the same vein. It's in the same space. And eventually, if you do start your own company, you're going to want to raise money somewhere along the line. So I kind of do my homework around that. A couple more points. So angels make many bets and they want to hit big. It could be 15 out of 20 go to zero. So super risky. I'm not here to quantify the risk. I'm not the best person to kind of explain that, but it's something that you don't want to just take a chance on one company. And there's a process. It depends where, I mean, I think Toronto is quite popular now as a tech hub. Montreal, I heard is good with startups. Canada is quite plentiful. There are billion dollar companies like Slack that came out of Canada. So a lot of bright minds. If you're thinking, hey, should I start something in Canada? I'd say thumbs up, go for it. Why? relocate, why displace yourself without any traction, right? So there's many ways to do it. And I mean, why is this not really public information? It's because if you actually want to invest in the States, you have to be accredited, okay? And what that means is someone might have to fact check this, but you got to make 200K a year for at least a couple of years, two, three years, or a million dollars in the bank, not including your home. So it is reserved for people who are quite affluent, very affluent. You're probably in the top 1% at that point. So it is a rich man's game or rich woman's game. What we're seeing is, I think through the SEC, there's a course that may come out for people. So almost as if you want to be a CFA or a chartered accountant, there will be a course hopefully soon that the every man or every woman can take that kind of gets them into that game of investing. So I'm keeping close tabs on that. That would be uh, really fascinating so that you and me, just anyone who has an interest could place bets. And 
back to the is a gambling. I think if this is discretionary income and extra money, if you're trying to better yourself, I really think there's a hard line between gambling and spending money on yourself on growing the world. I think it's worth it. And what's the return you get? The fulfillment from actually working on these kinds of projects. You can't really buy that. You can't buy happiness. But the fulfillment you get in doing things that resonate with you, I think, are a good path. And that's kind of where I'm leaning in towards. So I'm all for things like that. We'll definitely talk about that more in some future episodes. I find those are some alternatives. And again, I'm not the expert, but it's where I spend my time researching now and where I kind of follow along. So if you're not going to be on the keyboard trading, you could just follow tech news, follow new companies coming out. And of course, these are private. They're not necessarily public, but all the information's out there. Crunchbase.com is a very good site to look up tech companies anywhere online as well. There's lots of resources. That's very, very cool. I just actually have a couple questions about that. So first of all is how popular is angel investing? It's a very cool idea. Many people think that if you want to invest, the term invest comes directly connected to putting your money to the markets. So this is a way that you don't really have to do that. And the second question is, if I'm the average Joe, just maybe a bit more affluent than the rest, perhaps I don't make 200000 or I have a bit of savings that I want to put into other small businesses. Is there a way I can get into the game or let's say in Canada or perhaps other places in the world, if you have any information about that? Yeah, there's two or three websites I know of. So I think most will be familiar with things like Indiegogo, Kickstarter. Those are where companies will raise money for a product. So you're not buying equity in a company, you're funding them for their projects so that they can get a product to market. So it's usually something that's kind of out there that no one's ever done. They may not necessarily clear market as it's called, they may not actually raise money through typical investors. So that's become a democratization of building a company that way. So where actual angel investing specific sites have kind of popped up, there's AngelList that's quite popular, Republic, Seed Invest. Those are three that I think two out of the three, you don't have to be accredited. So that's kind of interesting, but you have to be a US citizen. So unfortunately, I haven't jumped in there, but I'm sure you can follow along the companies as they kind of launch. And you had a good question, which is, let's say I'm starting the next Twitter. Can anyone invest? I think so. It's called being on the cap table. I can write you into the company. You could be a source of funding, but it's not something that is really advertised. So I think there's that line of, is it going to be out in the public? Is it going to be something that everyone can do? I've heard this example before. It's not my own, but what if you were an Uber driver year one of the company and you got to put in $100 there or $500 and five, seven years later, like that would be tremendous value back at you. You put your money where your mouth is, as the saying goes. So I think this is something I like to follow. It'll be interesting to see what comes of it in the next six months, 12, 18 months. We'll keep the listeners updated if anything evolves from that. But I think it's worth paying attention to. You can actually change your life with a small amount of money and you can do cool things. Again, follow the news of what's going on. And a small tidbit, a lot of investors at the private level will be involved. Like you'll give advice. You won't always get a board seat. It might be too early for a board seat, 
but you can have a material say in feedback and what's going on with the company. So all those kinds of things tie in together to a nice loop of giving you perspective and knowing what's going on with the world. I see that's something very, very cool. I actually find it very interesting and fascinating because again, it's another way to help grow the community, go help someone's business. I have a lot of people who ask me, you know, what should I do? And, or sometimes even I have conversations with, you know, my loved ones, family, friends, and even I sometimes struggle of what is it that I'm really good at that I can perhaps grow into, make into something and maybe help improve the world or someone else's life. And sometimes even if you don't feel you have that, if you see something that can actually work and, and you want to contribute to, that you think someone has a very good plan put into place and has the talent or has the know-how or has the structure to grow it into something big. And that's what it is, basically. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're contributing. You're being that person who helps them with a bit of financial aid. Then hopefully it grows into something. Now, again, it's not always guaranteed, but it's very, very cool to think of that. And the fact that it has nothing to do with finance and and nothing to do necessarily with those figures and the economy. It's just about that business, which leads me actually to another question I wanted to ask you. It seems that a lot of these companies have been tech-based. Why do you think that is? Is it because of the current times with, with technology and the internet and how everything is wireless and everything's done through apps or, or is there another reason for that? So I think tech is scalable, software is scalable. The marginal cost of an extra download is cheap. It's not expensive mm -hmm. to write code in your basement. You don't need half a million dollars to bring a prototype to market. You don't need tens of millions if it's something more challenging. So what was it? I think Elon Musk dumped something like 50 or 100 million in Tesla, the other half in SpaceX. Those are hardware companies mixed with software. Those are traditionally a lot more hard. It's not always easy. So hardware, I don't follow as closely, I guess. But the question in investing is typically why now, which is what's a unique moment in time that makes this product successful. So for Instagram, it was taking pictures on your iPhone, whereas maybe 10 years before that wouldn't be successful. And, you know, four or five years into their journey, they get acquired by Facebook for a billion dollars. So there are these exits yeah. where you can spend your time in under five years. It's probably a lot of grueling work. I don't want to say it's easy or a lottery ticket, but I think the value you get of doing something like that, it's your baby. It's really something special. So I think hardware is just harder from what I've heard. It's not as prevalent, but I think it's also unique to where you live. So depends where you are in the world, what unique value you can bring in your environment and community, what unique background do you have? I think it's merit-based actually. It really doesn't matter if you went to Harvard. It doesn't matter how much money you have. The idea is essentially, does the product work? Does it add value to the world? And are you resilient enough to go through those unique challenges of bringing it to market, of getting traction, of getting customers, of scaling the business? And I find this really, really intriguing. I follow it closely. I'd love to do it on the side. It's kind of part of my passion projects, as I said. Stay tuned. I'd love to share more as it develops.
And if anyone wants to share feedback, you're welcome to. Yeah, I just wanted to add something. thing you said about Elon Musk, for those who don't know, obviously, the money he raised to put towards Tesla and SpaceX came up from when he's selling PayPal. Was that right? His share of PayPal? So it was a, basically an all-tech startup, software-based is what I'm saying. Yeah, his beginnings did start there. He's got a great autobiography. I think most entrepreneurs, if not all, I think he's the one person that really stands out as being a serial entrepreneur and mixing that with really hard problems. So I've only the utmost respect for him. Yeah, it kind of started through a project that turned into PayPal that ended up selling. And instead of retiring in an island, he chose to keep going. I mean, it's not about hitting a certain number. It's not about I'm trying to make more than others. I'm trying to have unlimited money. It's about, you know what, if there's a chance to do better in life, why not? Why not lean into that? And to me, that's fuel. That's exciting. It kind of really, you know what, sometimes we get stuck in the day to day and it's important to keep that excitement about life and that passion alive. That's also the case, like you said, with the Ubers of the world and the Airbnbs and I don't know the beginnings and how these started, but I'm sure many of them started with a discussion at the bar or in the restaurant or at the cafe or someone's living room, right? So it all starts somewhere. Very good point. I really believe in having humility in this world. Don't take yourself too seriously and work on cool projects. So yeah, the story of a lot of these companies was from... A humble beginning. It was not something that started big. You want to start small. In the tech space, this is usually called the minimum viable product. So it's like the least amount of work you got to do to get a product to market. And this theory came from, well, could you pay someone to design an app for you for $10,000? You could. What if the app's just not quite right? How many batches of $10,000 do you have before it's an unreasonable amount of money? And I would argue that's already a lot of money. So what made that theory quite good and compelling was that you can just basically have people give you feedback as soon as the product works. So if you know if it's worth growing, if there's value, and of course it's debatable, but in business, sales is the metric. That's what comes down to, are people actually paying for it? You'll know pretty quick. Stay away from giving it away for free. Go straight to a real business that charges money. That's kind of how that works. Cal, have you ever had your own passion project that you've kind of worked on? Or have you ever had a business idea you wanted to start? There are a few things that came to mind. Perhaps nothing that was life-changing, to be honest, more of side businesses. And perhaps for that reason, I didn't pursue them. Thought of being an importer-exporter for unique vehicles. So buy certain sports cars or classic cars that are hard to get and sell them. And also I thought of actually starting a YouTube channel that was more car-related. There are a lot of them around and there are a lot of good ones around, and it doesn't necessarily mean mine won't be good enough. But perhaps I just felt that 
there is way too much competition it takes a while to grow that channel and i thought that my time would be better invested elsewhere it could be very well wrong about that but just a couple of small things but having things to change the world i always wanted to do something like that and there are a few ideas that have been tossing around but none that i've taken action do you have anything that you had in mind so now with the whole quarantine going on i've kind of set a personal goal to code an app i'm an android guy so i'm using android studio we'll see how that goes we'll keep the listeners updated but i'm going to try and do something a little bit more ambitious something that's useful i'll give you an example so at work we quote customers on software it's desktop i was going to make that on mobile i understand the numbers so even if no one uses it, it's almost a personal challenge to see, hey, I can actually make something, which is step one. So you kind of peel off the layers of, I can't, I won't, I don't have time, and just kind of do it. Back to the idea that software is accessible. If you don't need money, you don't need capital, you just got to put time in. You basically just YouTube step-by-step step what you want to learn. And sometimes I find coding like banging your head against the wall, but I know a lot about other techie stuff, so it's the last frontier for me. I want to make sure I spend some time on it. We'll see how that goes. If I find it too much of an ambitious project, I might just go for something smaller in scope, but stay tuned to my first app. We'll try and get it up on the website, and you guys can let us know what you think. Awesome. Awesome. I really can't wait. So do you have any background in coding, or is this your first gig at it? Um. I've been flirting with this for about a year, year and a half, on and off. I have some music production, which has a bit of relation to it, I would argue. It's still manipulating stuff and being creative. I would say my coding experience stems from basically just Excel, using formulas, making things work. It's very businessy. It's not really pretty looking necessarily, but there's so many online resources. I think you can take courses like on Udacity or Coursera, or I think there's a new one called, I believe, Treehouse. There's so many materials. Some are paid, some are subscription, but YouTube, how to code. And again, in the sea of information, I don't have any official recommendations of what any listeners might want to use, but YouTube, Google, you don't need much more than that to at least get started. So maybe we'll keep our listeners up to date on that as we move along, but stay tuned. I'm really excited to share some things with that. Yeah, and just wanted to add to basically what you said, that there's so much information online that you have access to that it's really no excuse for anyone who wants to learn something as long as they have the passion for. And even if you go into a paid website or a paid source that would provide you with that information of how to code, for example, or how to do this or that, it's still very, very affordable for most people. But even for those who can't afford to pay, like you said, there's a lot of free information online. There's a lot of Google stuff, YouTube stuff. There are forums all over the internet. There are research papers in whatever field or topic that you have interest in. You will find something there. And that has become my thought process and my belief that no one has any excuse anymore. The sense of not knowing. We are in the time of knowledge, which is accessible to absolutely everyone, and it's free. And, you know, if you have any mild interest of knowledge to develop yourself by investing in yourself, that's, that's really free. All you have to do is 
set a time aside for you to improve yourself or improve others or improve a business that you had in mind and put to actual work. That's, uh, I think, very profound. It really drives the point home. To everyone listening, the power is in your hands. Just go out there step by step and make it happen. So I think we'll wrap that up for today's episode. I want to thank all the listeners and Cal again for tuning in. Once again, methodicalmillions.com if you'd like to follow future episodes and info at methodicalmillions.com if you'd like to send us some feedback.